This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, Crime Salad listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Crime Salad, where we dive into the darkest corners of human nature. So grab a seat, grab your AirPods or earbuds, whatever they call them these days. AirBuds. AirBuds. Oh, wait, that's a movie. I love that movie. And let's talk true crime. So the case that we're covering this week takes us to Ohio. Go figure. We it's never like, left. <laughs> we never left. And it involves a family who was in the Amish community. Barbara Miller, who was 20 years old at the time, had married 19-year-old Eli Weaver on May 27th, 1999. And together they quickly went on to have five children, Wayne, Alan, Emma, Marvin, and Marie. And their ages ranged from one to nine by 2009. So a lot of little kids in the family, big, happy family. Now, the Weaver family, they lived in Apple Creek, Ohio. Apple Creek is this small village that's home to a population of around 1,200 people. And it's considered Amish country. The Amish have settled all over the U.S., originating from Switzerland. But for the most part, they are located in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Indiana. Lancaster County, PA, is known as the largest Amish settlement. That's where we got our pug, our first pug. Yeah, we drove like four hours to go get our pug that our son was like, yeah. we have to have a pug, mom, please. <laughs> four hours there. And then we had to pit, make a pit stop at uh, McDonald's, got her her first chicken nugget. And that was the only restaurant around the area. But for the most part, it's all like farmland yeah. and like a bunch of pug farms. Now, traveling through the little village called Apple Creek, Ohio, you are bound to drive past a horse and a buggy trotting along the main road. And they would consider any non-Amish English. <laughs> So before we jump into the details of this case, we are going to throw some Amish facts at you. The Amish community is known for their simple lifestyle. They don't use any modern technology in their lives. So no smartphones, no cars, and they don't use any electricity. The community, their family, and hard work are things that are most important. If you become married in the Amish world, which is usually between the ages of 18 to 22 years old, it is for life. Divorce is very unacceptable and goes against their beliefs. If your relationship with your spouse is rocky, it's recommended to get help through their church leaders and work it out. If anyone in the Amish community were to follow through with the divorce, they would be shunned and would have to leave the Amish faith. And the spouse of the one who gets the divorce would not be allowed to remarry, as this would be considered adultery. 
Now, there's different types of Amish that range from the most conservative affiliations to more modern ones. Generally, the Amish do what's called rumspringa, which gives the people in the community a chance to experience life outside of the Amish lifestyle and live like the English. Typically, rumspringa begins at the age of 16. Some start at the ages of 17 to 21, and this lasts until the individual chooses either to be baptized in the Amish church or to leave the community altogether. Rumspringa is not just for an Amish adolescent to indulge in the modern world for fun. It's a deeply meaningful tradition that underscores the importance of personal choice, faith, and commitment. By allowing the youth to explore the world beyond their community, the Amish ensure that those who return do so with a genuine commitment to their way of life, thus preserving the integrity and continuity of their unique culture. Although modern technology isn't usually used in the Amish world, some may allow it. However, phones and computers are more common for business purposes. It seemed like Barbara was 100% invested into the Amish community and into her husband and her family, while Eli, on the other hand, was unhappy. He began to have an affair with a woman named Barbara Raber in 2003. I don't think the Amish people would like that. Right. Now, according to Amish America, the rules can and have evolved with the times. But lying, cheating, and adultery are always off limits. Twice a year, the Amish meet and review their rules. The congregation must all agree on any changes. Now, it does seem like a very strict lifestyle, but the community is so strong. Everyone is willing to help each other out at any time when someone is in need. So dating isn't really a thing. Instead, their tradition is called bundling, where the couple would spend the night together in the same bed, fully clothed, to chat and get to know each other, of course, with supervision. That's so weird. Now, if you were to violate any of the guidelines from the set of rules that everyone agreed on, social shunning, according to Amish America, would be a way to show some tough love. The way that they would do this would be to eat away from the family, not do any business with that person anymore, basically excluding that person from their community. You could still have a conversation with someone who is shunned, and you could still offer assistance if they needed it, but rules are rules and they aren't meant to be broken. But they're not shunned forever, though, right? This is just like to teach them a lesson type thing. One thing about the Amish is that they're very forgiving. Right. So yeah, it's tough love. Now, as we hinted earlier, Eli Weaver was a bit of a wild card. Although he was in the Amish community, and he went to church, and he was involved, he had urges and desires that the typical Amish man would avoid. Eli Weaver was unfaithful to his wife, Barbara, on a number of occasions throughout the course of their marriage. And although this behavior would cost you to be shunned, one thing about the Amish, like we said, is their forgiveness is also very strong. There were two times when Eli left the Amish faith. Once was when the church found out about the affairs and he was shunned. 
Eli also was shunned by his family. He was forgiven when he asked to be let back in. This had to have put a lot on Barbara's shoulders. I mean, a husband who isn't faithful and the need to support all of the children that they had together, that's got to be tough. Not to mention, I mean, how convenient is it for Eli that he gets to just leave twice, go out and hook up with all these English ladies, I think he calls them, and then come back. Right. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. It's fine. You're good. Now, Eli Weaver operated the family gun shop called Maysville Outfitters, and it was located on the family property. In 2003, Eli was shunned again from the family after it was known that Eli was having an affair with a former Amish woman named Barbara Raber, who was 10 years older than him. So two Barbaras. Yes. One is the wife, Barbara Weaver. Mm-hmm. And the mistress is Barbara Raber. Yes, the faithful wife and mother of nine, Barbara, and the mistress, Barbara Raber. Barbara Raber came into the picture after meeting Eli through her husband, Ed, and soon she became a frequent customer at Eli's gun shop. She also worked as a driver for the Amish. Eli was also her frequent customer. Like we said, the Amish didn't own cars, so it was allowed to travel by car if a non-Amish person was the one driving them around. And Barbara Raber, being formerly Amish herself, offered transportation for the Amish as a job. The forbidden life with the non-Amish mistress became a strong interest of Eli's. Barbara Raber was able to buy him a cell phone, which would have been completely against the rules of his faith. And with that cell phone opened up a whole new world for Eli. He made the decision to cheat on his wife, Barbara, and now his mistress, Barbara Raber, with other women that he met online. One thing that possibly drew in the women was his profile on this hookup site. His profile name was Amish Stud and would sometimes use the name Amish Guy. His profile picture was of him shirtless. And the crazy thing is, is it was working. The curiosity of how an Amish man had access to a dating site and an electronic device was fascinating. Could you imagine what it would have been like for Eli, like getting that phone and being able to like search random things up. I feel like it would have been like when we were 12 and we got that first AOL CD that was like, here's free AOL. I never understood how to work that, but I always got them. I always got in those chat rooms and nothing good ever happened in those chat rooms. (laughs) With this cell phone, he just went, he just went crazy. He went ham. He went hog wild. That was probably in his description, the Amish stud, hog wild. Could you imagine him sitting there? He's like, hmm. He's like in his rocking like chair and he's thinking, got it. <laughs> Amish stud. Have you ever tried to break a bad habit and felt like you're paddling upstream with a spoon? Yeah, we've been there too. But here's a breath of fresh air. Fume is not about giving up. It's about switching up. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it healthier and more enjoyable. 
Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. So you get the point. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your Fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. Honestly, I didn't know what to expect about the taste, but wow, the Fume flavors taste like I'm biting into something super fresh and being like, yum, that's the stuff. So if we're comparing, it's like choosing a chill herbal tea over a sticky sweet soda. Fumes got those natural, not-too-sweet vibes. It's refreshing in a just-brewed-a-cup-of-herbal-goodness kind of way. And it's got that perfect balance and weight to it that makes it super satisfying to hold. Kind of like the best fidget spinner you never knew you needed. With its real wood and sleek shape, it's kind of a statement piece. Makes you feel a bit more fancy and cool using it. Plus, Fume just released this really cool magnet stand for your Fume, so there's no more losing it around the house. And it's built with fidgeting in mind, so you can continuously spin your Fume around on it. Start the year off right with The Good Habit by going to tryfume.com salad and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use our code SALAD to help make starting the good habit that much easier. So around this time, his wife Barbara had been suspicious that Eli was having yet another affair. And according to Barbara Weaver's sister, Fanny, Barbara didn't think divorce was an option because of her strong faith. But it was deeply upsetting that Eli wasn't faithful to her, and it was really hurtful. Like I said, the mistress, Barbara, she was previously involved with the Amish community and was raised Amish. And when she left, she joined the Mennonite faith with her husband, Ed. Together, they had three children. Now, the Mennonite faith, they are less conservative than the Amish, where like driving a car and owning a cell phone is allowed. So at this point, Eli and his mistress, Barbara Raber's conversations started to focus around the plan to eliminate his wife, Barbara Weaver. Eli would tell her and even other women the same thing, that he wanted to get rid of his wife. And these conversations with other women would evolve into Eli asking for advice, asking these women what type of poison would kill his wife. Another mistress of Eli's even offered to run over his wife for him. What would you do if someone told you that? Like, you're talking to them for the first time, some Amish guy, and he's like, I want to kill my wife. I feel like most of these women, obviously, they shrugged it off as if it was some kind of, like, dark joke. But it is definitely weird. And I feel like it's that leaking thing that we've talked about before. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Now, you may be thinking, at this point, why doesn't he just leave the Amish community? Take a break. I mean, he's done it, what, three or four times now? Yeah. I mean, he's not faithful at all. What's keeping him in the Amish community? Well, it could be his business, his children, his family, 
He didn't want to leave it all behind, but he wanted the best of both worlds. He wanted this freedom, and he also wanted his family and things like that. He wanted, uh, there was a saying, he wanted his cake and to eat it too. Well said, Ricky. Thank you. Now, like we said, most women who would hear something like this, like, hey, do you have any ideas on how to poison someone or how to kill somebody like my wife? Do you have any thoughts or ideas? You know, most people would be like, um, that's weird. That's a sick joke. But Barbara Raber, she had a few things in mind. She was she was ready to help out. Together, they started brainstorming up a plan. Barbara Raber. She became so involved with the idea even researching over 800 different searches related to poison. And maybe she was more interested in this whole murder scheme than Eli because she even handed him a handful of pills to poison his wife. She's a real go-getter. But he decided not to go through with it. And another time she called Eli up and told him that she had a gun and was on her way to come over and shoot and kill his wife for him but she didn't follow through. The planning of Barbara Weaver's murder went on to late May of 2009. About a month of pre-planning went into this. On May 30th, Eli sent Mistress Barbara Raber a text asking, what did you find out on your computer last night? She replied, a few diff things I want to investigate. Later, she followed up with, If we could get something in her to make her sleep hard, then we can get a can or two of nitrogen or CO2 gas, let it leak out under the bed. It would look like carbon monoxide poisoning. The next day, May 31st, Eli texted Barbara Raber. Morning, any ideas on how we could do it Tuesday morning? Which this was now June 2nd. So I have to paint a picture here. They're using words like night, (laughs) N-I-T-E, the number two, some details that I feel like our listeners should know. Yeah, it's very important information. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you for putting that out. Well, it paints a picture. Like, it's crazy the mission that they were on to kill his wife. Well, she ran with it is what's weird to me because he's like, I want to kill my wife. And she's like, Bam. I will research this and I am on it. I don't care. I have 800 different ways. I have children at home and a husband, but you know what? I have 800 different searches right now on my computer. So Eli, he had fishing trips that were set up for June 1st and 2nd. And on the 1st, Barbara Raber was going to be his hired driver. He was going out with his friends, which would be the perfect time to kill Barbara. He would have an alibi because he would be fishing with his friends. He would be away from his house. So they started brainstorming again and brought up how they could give her poisoned cupcakes or blow up the house. Then Barbara Raber told Eli that it could be difficult to do that with the kids in the house. Eli responded, yes, it would And he said, but we know they would go straight to heaven if it would happen that way. Barbara Raber said, I know. Then Eli cut the conversation off by texting, I don't care anymore at all how it's done, just do it. 
And he soon followed up with, and I want you to do something in the morn, Barb, please. She responded, I'll see what I can come up with. I hate that he's like, it's okay, they'll go straight to heaven. Does this not sound like some kind of dinner plan to you? She says, I'll see what I can come up with. Yeah. Almost like she's like hired. She takes a lot of pride in in this. I wonder if she's the type that wasn't getting enough attention from her husband. So she's like, I'm getting attention. I don't know. Maybe this is her proving herself, like proving that she's smart, proving that she's mm. this or that. I don't know. It was June 1st. And you know what that means. It's the first of the month. Eli was planning his amazing fishing trip with his guy friends. And Barbara Raber kindly drove him. And on their trip, they talked more about their evil plan to eliminate the roadblock that seemed to be in the middle of their relationship. Barbara Weaver, Eli's faithful wife and mother of their children. And during this car ride, Eli wanted Barbara Raber to murder his wife after their drive. That was the plan. Later that day, Eli got a text from Barbara Raber. Her husband, Ed, was at home off work for the day, and she was scared that he would see her leave. Eli tried to convince Barbara Raber to think of a plan to get him to leave the house somehow, but she wasn't able to. I picture him in like a lazy boy chair, you know, like taking the day off. Yeah, like once he sits down, he's not getting back up. He, he probably had no clue that there was like this murderous plan going on in the background. No, I mean, they probably didn't even talk. There was probably one of those things where the dude just like comes home from work and like sits in his chair. So the next day rolls around, June 2nd. It would be the second day of the fishing trip for Eli out with his homies. And this would be the second attempt at their murderous plan. Eli's plan was to leave the house around three o'clock in the morning making sure to leave the bottom door unlocked, Barbara Raber would sneak into the house and kill his wife, Barbara. And so at 2.21 a.m., Barbara Raber sent a text that she was worried by how dark it would be and that she was scared to go through with this. Eli suggested taking a light with her and not to leave anything behind at the scene. Now, sometime after 4 a.m., Barbara Raber drove to the Weaver house and entered into the unlocked door with a 410-gauge shotgun. Just so you know, this is like a really small shotgun. It's used for, like, putting animals down. She made her way into the bedroom and shot 30-year-old mother of five, Barbara Weaver, in the chest from close range. And she unapologetically left. All five kids were sleeping in the house, unharmed at the time of the shooting. Around 8 a.m. on June 2nd, the oldest child who found it strange that his mother was not up at her usual time, found his mother in her bed covered in blood. He ran over to the neighbor's house, who came over and saw Barbara and called 911. So I'm going to sound dumb here, but how did they call 911 being that there's no electric? Well, they didn't have any phones or anything in right. the house. Yeah. So not a dumb question. They actually had this community phone that was located in a barn nearby, and it was used for emergency purposes only. 
Now, when the police showed up, they quickly ruled out the suspicion that this was a robbery. For instance, they noticed that there was money still left out on the kitchen counter, and they didn't find any evidence of forced entry. And on top of that, with the others in the house, the mother Barbara was the only one who was shot and murdered, which she appeared to be sleeping at the time of the attack. So it wasn't like she was fighting back or anything like that. Yeah, and I think I read too, like the covers were still pulled over her. So she never got out of bed. Police spoke to the five children who were most likely shocked by their loss of their mother. They hadn't heard any gunshots during the night. And same with the neighbors. No one heard anything. It was determined that Barbara died sometime between the late night hours of midnight and 6 a.m. Police were made aware that the husband, Eli, was out on a fishing trip with a few of his buddies and that one of the members had a cell phone, being that he wasn't of the Amish faith. So the police were able to get a hold of that person's cell phone to alert Eli of the tragic news and to ask him to come back into town to speak with him. Around this time, Eli texted Barbara Raber and told her that the police wanted to speak with him. And Barbara Raber replied, whatever you do, don't give them your cell phone, please. And so Eli made his way back into town and spoke with the police. Having his story already lined up to keep him in the clear, he said he had nothing to do with his wife's murder. And when he left for fishing in the morning, his wife was alive. He had been fishing since 3 a.m. And this was something his friends would back up. Now, speaking with the police, he would admit that he was having a relationship with Barbara Raber. And later that day, Barbara Raber told Eli that the only way police couldn't trace his phone number was if he had it changed. And so she went ahead and changed it for him. She also texted him and asked how to clean the shotgun to hide any evidence that it was used. And she also asked Eli through text what she should tell her husband if he noticed his shotgun went missing. Because the police now knew of this affair going on between Eli and Barbara Raber, police wanted to speak with Barbara Raber. On June 3rd, Barbara Raber admitted to investigators that she did have a brief affair with Eli, but said that it ended six months prior. She said that she had no information about Barbara's murder and that she was home with her husband during that time. On the same day, there was a suspicious message that was left on Eli's business phone that said, Eli, you can run, but you can't hide. Obviously, we got the wrong person last night. And what's suspicious about this message is Barbara Raber had actually asked a friend to leave this message on his phone with hopes that it would throw off the investigation into her and Eli's affair and lead investigators down the wrong trail. But investigators kept digging since they were still suspicious of the two. And if you remember, the Amish stud Eli had created that dating profile well, one of the women named Dandy came forward to the police. She had said that Eli used a secret phone to contact women online. She also brought up that Eli was very unhappy in his marriage and often joked about having his wife killed.
And you got to admit, at the time, Dandy was probably thinking, oh my gosh, what he was joking about is actually what happened. Yeah. Like it came to be true. Well, he said it to a lot of different women. So after hearing like the news of this, I'm sure a handful of them would have came forward. I don't know if they did, but you would assume. Other women did come forward. Oh, see, I'm a genius. It makes you wonder, like, how many women did he talk to? Another woman named Mary said that on June 2nd, Eli called her to tell her that Barbara died. Mary later told Fox Aid about this conversation, which she recorded and gave to the police. First thing that came out of his mouth was, my wife's dead. And I said, what? And he said, somebody shot my wife. And she explained that this was just like a normal conversation. And Mary, she had this feeling that she knew right away he was involved when he called her because he would talk about it all the time. So when Eli called her, she immediately called the police to tell them about how she had met Eli online, told them about the conversations that they had. And Mary said that it was very obvious that Eli was seeing multiple women because she would notice on his dating profile page they would leave vulgar comments. So what site was this again? Moco Space? Moco Space, yeah. I think that's the one um, we we looked it up. It It's kind of like MySpace, but like a dating site. So that's probably why it had comments and, and stuff like that, like on the profile. Yeah. I never even heard about it, honestly. Maybe it's something. No, I haven't either. If you're looking for an Amish stud, I hear that's where they hang out. And his profile picture, it's like grainy and black and white. I know. For a second, I was like, like, man, is that the Amish stud or is that Drake? And Mary also said that Eli would always talk about killing his wife, Barbara. She also told Fox 8 News that he talked about poisoning her and would even ask if she knew of any poisonous plants. And he knew a lot of them and also said that if she ever happens to come into town and sees his wife to run her over in the driveway. Hmm. Specific. It's pretty shocking to think back to that and hearing him talk about murdering his wife when it actually panned out. Oh, yeah. I'm sure she's like married now and like talks about this story all the time. The way he brought it up to her seems so casual. I mean, who says that? Like, if, if you said that to someone like, hey, if you see my wife, go ahead and run her over for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny joke. Investigators needed to get their hands on the records of that secret cell phone. But as you may remember, Barbara Raber changed Eli's number. So they needed that new phone number so they could check on those records. Now, according to one of the prosecutors, the phone company deletes the text messages every five days. So they had to act fast. They asked Dandy to make a new dating profile then send a message to Eli asking him to call her. This way they could get his number. Eli, of course, fell for it. So thanks to Dandy, investigators were one step closer to securing the secret phone. Investigators ran the phone number and found it was registered to Barbara Raber. And it appeared the secret phone was on her phone plan. So obviously, they hadn't broken up six months ago, like Barbara Raber said. Investigators subpoenaed the phone records and found a lot of incriminating texts between Eli and Barbara Raber, some of which were talked about earlier, like, how do I clean the shotgun? What if my husband notices it was gone? On June 6th, Barbara's funeral was held at the Weaver family home. 
Barbara's obituary noted her marriage to Eli, which makes me think the family didn't suspect his involvement or maybe didn't want to think that he was involved in any way. But also, they're so forgiving. There's been other cases where the community had forgave someone who killed a few people. Really? Yeah. Oh, my. So it was on June 10th. 29-year-old Eli and 39-year-old Barbara Raber were both arrested and taken in for questioning. Down at the station, Eli told investigators that he had nothing to do with Barbara's murder. He went to jail without telling the police anything. And at the station, investigators told Barbara Raber that they'd seen the text between her and Eli where they discussed killing Barbara. Barbara Raber said that the texts were all a big joke. She wanted to see how far Eli would let the joke go. Joke's on you, Barbara, Raber. You know what's really nice for Eli, though? He finally gets to live a non-Amish life in jail. That's like... A dream. Really really nice in there. You get the phone every once in a while. Yeah. Hot meals. Electric. Probably a window. Toilets. Now, within two hours of being down at the station, Barbara Raber ended up confessing to killing Barbara Weaver. But she said that it was an accident. Barbara Raber explained that she had went to Barbara's to scare her. She went through the unlocked basement door and made her way into Barbara's bedroom. She stood at the bedroom doorway about to scare Barbara when the shotgun went off. Barbara Raber told investigators that it was all Eli's idea. He had begged her to kill Barbara multiple times. Barbara Raber said that she couldn't remember what kind of gun she had with her, but when she got home, she said that she put it in her husband's gun cabinet. After she was transferred to jail, Barbara Raber called her husband Ed, like he would stick up for her, right? And she told him she needed to have an alibi that involved him. And Ed was probably on his lazy boy with his feet kicked up and said, excuse me? Um, no. I'm watching the Kansas City Chiefs. She told Ed that she had been texting Eli about that stuff. But the texts were just meant to lead Eli on and see how far he'd take it. When they searched Barbara Raber's house, they didn't find a 410 gauge shotgun in Ed's shotgun cabinet like Barbara Raber said there would be. However, they did find a notebook of a bunch of different poisons written down inside of it. Explain that one, Barbara. When Myron, a family friend of Ed's, found out that Barbara Raber had been arrested for murder, he was shocked. He told the Daily Record, she seemed nice. She came across as a little extreme at times, and I figured that's just her personality, but there was nothing crazy, nothing off the wall. The details in her story weren't matching with the evidence investigators were putting together, so they wanted to talk to Barbara Raber again. For instance, they never found the 410 gauge shotgun in the house that she said she put back in the gun cabinet. And looking at the bullet entry that killed Barbara Weaver told investigators that the gun was shot at close range, not shot at the doorway. The gun would have been intentionally pointed at Barbara Weaver intending to shoot and kill her. When investigators started questioning her about this, Barbara Raber asked for an attorney and the interview ended. 
On June 12th, a grand jury indicted Barbara Raber and Eli Weaver for aggravated murder, and their bonds were set at $1 million. Now, according to Oxygen, it was the third time any Amish man had been suspected of killing his spouse in America that we know of. And it was the first major crime in the Amish community in Apple Creek, Ohio. And according to Fox 8, it was the first murder in Wayne County in seven years. On August 17, 2009, Eli decided to take responsibility for his actions and cooperate with police. He confessed to police, took a deal, and pleaded guilty to complicity to murder. As part of the deal, Eli was to testify against Barbara Raber. His sentencing was set for after the testimony. Barbara Raber's trial began on September 17, 2009, and Barbara Raber's defense was that she accidentally shot and killed Barbara while trying to scare her. The prosecution said that Barbara Raber didn't accidentally shoot Barbara Weaver. The murder was planned in advance with Eli. To prove their case, the prosecution introduced evidence of Eli and Barbara Raber's text messages, Barbara Raber's jailhouse calls with her husband Ed, her confession, her internet search history, and more. And Eli, he was the prosecution's star witness. He testified that he had multiple affairs and just didn't love his wife the way he should have loved her. He left the faith more than once because he wanted more freedom, but he always was welcomed back. Eli said that after he told Barbara Raber that he wanted to get rid of his wife, Barbara, she ran with the idea and repeatedly suggested he poison Barbara. Eli said that he thought about poisoning Barbara, then poisoning himself in a murder-suicide. On September 23rd, the jury found Barbara Raber guilty of aggravated murder with the use of a firearm. Barbara Raber was carried out of the courtroom while crying out, I didn't do it, multiple times. On the same day, Eli was sentenced to 15 years to life. Eli said, I'm sorry for what I did, and I hope everybody can forgive me for what I did. The judge brought up how Eli had left the faith twice. He said, you only needed to walk away a third time. One week later, on September 30th, Barbara Raber was sentenced to 20 years to life for murder and three years for using a firearm. The judge told her, quote, the evidence in this case was very compelling. You were involved in the death of Barbara Weaver. There is no evidence to contradict that. And the judge said, if not for Mr. Weaver, we would not be here. But without your cooperation, Barbara would still be alive today. On August 30th, 2010, the Ninth District Court of Appeals affirmed Barbara Raber's convictions and sentence. As of now, Eli is currently incarcerated at the Grafton Correctional Institution in Ohio. He is eligible for parole on June 6th, 2024, when he will be 45 years old. Hold up. That's this year. June 6th of 2024. Ew. Yep. He's going to be right back on them forums. Barbara Raber is currently incarcerated in the Ohio Reformatory for Women. She's eligible for parole on June 4th, 2032, when she'll be 62 years old. 
And that's the end of this Crime Salad episode titled The Unfaithful Amish Stud. Ooh, is that what we're calling it? Yeah. That's nice. You just come up with that? Mm-hmm. I sure did. Wow. Genius. Smart woman. I have a story. What? So a few years ago, I worked with this guy, and he was telling me how he grew up Mennonite, but I didn't really know that Mennonite and Amish were different, right? So he's telling me about how he grew up and his brothers and sisters and all of this stuff. And I created like this whole vision, right? Like made up of a bunch of really, really dumb assumptions. I was assuming he grew up Amish. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking no electricity, none of that. I remember asking him like really dumb questions and he, he kind of answered. I think he didn't really realize what I was saying because I would say, oh, what was that like growing up? Oh, it has to be really different. You know, now, what's it like visiting your family and stuff like that? And, like, we kind of just let it go. The next day, he was like, hey, I grew up Mennonite. We pretty much grew up the same, (laughs) you and me. (laughs) I had a cell phone. I drove a car. I lived a normal life. And I just remember being like, oh. (laughs) But it, it all lined up, though. I mean, his name was Abe. I think he had a bunch of sisters and brothers and stuff grew up yeah. on a farm. And he's probably listening to this now. I I hope not. <laughs> Hi, Abe. <laughs> I just pictured him in the full... Amish gear. Amish gear with a big beard, and his name was Abe, and we all make mistakes. I know the town that's actually really close to where this happened. Mm-hmm. There's a restaurant that has amazing food like literally the best food i've ever had it's home cooked and they make like the best pies and the best donuts and like oh my goodness so good and in that same town we took a tour of one of the houses and there's no electricity at all the lights that they use are all oil Mm. lantern type like lamps yeah and it was really hot in there too no electricity no air conditioning nothing like that We have merch now. Where? Where? I'm wearing it. What is the website? It's crimesalad.shop. S-H-O-P? S-H-O-P. And we can get merch? Crime Salad merch? Yeah. Yes. There's mugs. There's hats. There's shirts. There's hoodies. There's like a cool jacket. It's pretty nice. Go check it out. Hmm. Crimesalad.shop. Shop. You should totally leave us a really nice review and give us a five-star rating and also subscribe wherever you're listening. Gives us that, like, chemical fill, you know, like little serotonin, like my belly gets warm. Does your belly get warm? It sure does, especially when I eat too much Mexican. Oh, that's different. That's a different feeling. (laughs) Farewell. My friends. Farewell, my crime salad listeners. We will see you next week. Over and out. On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra. 
and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts.